you another commercial break. Not really. I was thinking to myself as I walked in today, you know, what if I walked into Christ Center for the first time <coughs> and I'd never been here before? The first thing I would say is, what is up with that pastor's voice? I kind of like it. It's just kind of cool, like a radio announcer. My voice is actually higher and much more effeminate, but I've got a cold right now, and so I sound like Barry White. I'm just going to, it's just good. I just like it. Oh, yeah, Jesus loves you. He loves you a lot. But if I walked in this morning, I think that I would probably have a few questions, you know, just what, why do they do what they do? What is that? What's up with that? Why isn't that pastor a better dancer? I don't know. Pray for me. Pray for me because I would like to be a better dancer. No, I, uh, the thing that came to my heart today is, is uh, you know, we exuberantly worship God. The scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The scripture also says, love your neighbor as yourself. And as far as it is with you, live peaceably with all men. And so we live in this place of heavenly, love-filled tension of fulfilling those scriptures. Liberty, loving your neighbor as yourself, and as far as it is with us, being at peace with all men and that, mankind. That includes women. Um, so what does that look like? Well, it looks kind of like this, kind of like what you saw this morning. It's a whole group of people that, have, that are different stripes and colors and temperaments and personalities, and we all respond to God in various different ways. And so some of us dance somewhat poorly, but I think with great heart, such as right up here, that would be me. Some of us are actually good dancers. Some of us like to be still. Some of us have an encounter with God and become rather ecstatic. ecstatic. She was right over here. And, uh, and you know what? We're okay with all of that. We're okay with all of that because we're not here to impress anybody else. We're here living out what it looks like to have liberty and actually be free. How many of you have been in an environment where you knew you were not free? Yeah, you can feel it. There's an atmosphere when you can feel the people around you looking at you and sort of going, what in the world is your deal? And they don't even have to say anything. You can feel it like, oh, I just did something wrong. <laughs> you, ever, you ever done that? Yes. Well, what we believe God has asked us to do here is to make room for people to become truly powerful. And, you know, it takes a strong constitution. In fact, you know, we live in America, which is referred to as the great experiment. You know, we are the only democracy, aside from, well, Israel now too, but we are, a, we are the only nation who had the opportunity to have a king, George Washington, come Every time there's been a military breakthrough, you don't see democracy get released until this grand experiment. And at that time, George Washington said, I will not become the king of America. And we created a free nation. Isn't that extraordinary? And so in this free nation, then, we have these things called freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And at one point, Thomas Jefferson said, you know, freedom requires a very strong constitution. And he wasn't talking about the one written, he was talking about this one. <laughs> You've gotta have a strong stomach to handle freedom of speech. You've gotta have a strong stomach to handle actual freedom because the people around you won't always do what you like or the way that you would do it. 
What's the point of all this? Let's love each other. Let's make room for each other. Let's honor each other as best as we can. Let's keep short accounts one with another. If someone is doing something that you don't understand, you know what I would really encourage you to do? To just go to them and say, so what was that all about? Like, let me, like, let me get inside your head, because honestly, I'm not wired. Really, I'm just really curious about how you roll. What does it mean when you do that? What are you feeling? I mean, not while they're in the middle of it. That's mean. They're having an encounter with the Lord. Hey, get up. Come here. I got a couple questions for you. Maybe wait till they're done. But then say, like, dude, what was that? Like, seriously, what was happening? I'd like to understand that. And you know what that is? That's loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, we serve a really weird God. I just want you to know that. We really do. Uh, he is weird. He's a weird God. You know, I'm named Joshua. I'm named after a man in the Bible who God allowed to lead his people. And one of the strategies he gave them was to walk around the most fortified, terrifying city that existed in the earth, this huge wall, totally, what is it, like 18 feet thick walls, totally high. And he's like, no, what I want you to do is I want you to walk around that city seven times for seven days. But while you're doing it, don't say anything. But on the seventh day, I want you all to shout as loud as you can and blow trumpets. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what? And so they do. And then at the end of it, they this big, huge shout, and all the walls come crumbling down. Now, how many of you know that's a miracle, right? What would have happened if they didn't shout? Nothing. Why didn't he decide to have them shout? I have no idea. All I know is that he told them to do it, and they did it. I know you guys were like, oh, this is going to be good. No, I'm right there with you. I've got no clue. But here's what happened. God asked them to do something, and he brought breakthrough. There are things that we do. There's a, I love this saying, and it's this. It's physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. You guys, we live in a spiritual reality. There are physical things, but the physical things speak of spiritual things. And so as we're doing, it's so interesting. Why do we lay hands on people? You guys all touch Tito. He doesn't even like to be touched. And you guys are all laying hands on him, you weirdos. Why did you do that? Because you were putting hands on him to talk about a spiritual reality that you're saying, God, we believe that your spirit dwells in us, and we need something bigger than us to touch Tito's body, that he would be healed. And so we're just going to lay our hands on him as a physical act of obedience to say, God, let the invisible realities come through us. Because why? Because the word says that Christ lives in us. And when you lay hands on someone, it says lay hands on the sick. Lay hands on them, then the spirit of God will raise them up. That's just weird. You guys are weird. It's okay. It's okay. So is your God. You guys feeling okay? I just wanted to talk about some of these things. I can't change the fact that we're weird. I can't change that. I don't want to. I wouldn't fit in anymore if you all got whatever it is that we're supposed to be. But I do want you to know this. There's room for you. I don't, I don't want you uh, to become just like Wendy, and I, and I don't want Wendy to become just like you. And I don't want you to become just like me because the earth can't bear it. But I do want you to like me. So anyway, Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful family. I want to pray, Lord, that you would help all of us to walk in love and honor. God, that we would truly be able to fulfill the, 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 the life that you've given us, which is to love one another as you love, to walk in honor and respect, joy, and freedom. And Lord, we just want to submit to you that you'd show us how to do that. Help us to be honest with each other and keep short accounts. Help us, Lord to love like you love.
Amen. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from the scripture here. And, uh, and for those of you that, that like a lot of scripture, oh, you're going to love today. Okay, from Paul, who by God's will is an apostle of Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading from the Good News Bible today. So all y'all's Bibles are going to be probably just about hard to follow today. But this, is just, this just felt right, this particular translation for the scriptures that I'm covering today. So uh, you can just read with me on here or you can open this up and, and try to keep up if you can. Um, I normally go from the New King James Version or the uh, NASB, but today we're doing the GNB. From Paul, who by God's will is an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy, to God's people in Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in union with Christ, may God our Father give you grace and peace. We always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all God's people. When the true message, the good news, first came to you, you heard about the hope it offers, and so your faith and love are based on what you hope, which is kept safe for you in heaven. So your faith is based on that hope. The gospel keeps bringing blessings and is spreading throughout the world just as it has among you ever since the day you first heard about the grace of God and came to know it as it really is. You learnt of God's grace from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is Christ's faithful worker on our behalf. And he's told us of the love that the Spirit has given you. For this reason, we have always prayed for you ever since we heard about you. We ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, with all the wisdom and understanding that his Spirit gives. And then you'll be able to live as the Lord wants, and you'll be able to do what pleases him. Your lives will produce all kinds of good deeds, and you will grow in your knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength which comes from his glorious power, so that you may be able to endure everything with patience. And with joy, give thanks to the Father who has made you fit to have your share of what God has reserved for his people in the kingdom of light. I love that. With joy, give thanks to the Father. He's made us fit to have a share of what God has reserved for us in the kingdom of light. He rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us safe into the kingdom of his dear son by whom we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. He is the firstborn son, superior to all created things. For through him, God created everything in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen things, including spiritual powers, lords, rulers, and authorities. God created the whole universe through him and for him. Christ existed before all things, and in union with him, all things have their proper place. He is the head of his body, the church. He is the source of the body's life. He is the firstborn son who was raised from death in order that he alone might have the first place in all things. Say, he is the head. He is. He is the head. He's the beginning. He's the source from which we get life. Okay, just hold on to that. Let's keep going here. For it was by God's own decision that the Son has in himself the full nature of God. So if you're looking at Jesus and how he rolls and who he is, you're looking at God. That's how he rolls and how, who he is. Through the Son, then, God decided to bring the whole universe back to himself. This is good news. And God made peace through his Son's blood on the, on the cross and so brought back to himself all things, both on earth and in heaven. I'm going to read this one more time because I really want this locked in. Through the Son, then, God decided to bring the whole universe back to himself. How many of you know that's good news? 
And God made peace through his son's blood on the cross and so brought back to himself all things, both on earth and in heaven. At one time you were far away from God and were his enemies because of the evil things you did and thought. But now by means of the physical death of his son, God has made you his friends in order to bring you holy, pure, and faultless into his presence. Does this not sound like great news? I love this God that doesn't count our sins against us. You must, of course, continue faithful on a firm and sure foundation and must not allow yourselves to be shaken from the hope you gained when you heard the gospel. It is of this gospel that I, Paul, became a servant, this gospel which has been preached to everybody in the world. Now, this is, uh, this is from the New King James Version. I wanted to grab these particular scriptures, verses 19 through 22, and I want to I bring it at you a little bit because it's got this word in here that I've underlined for you. There's going to be a test right after I read this, but I'll give you a little bit of a hint. They're underlined. For it has pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Question number one, here's the test. What are the things that he reconciled? Is that great news? And he says this, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, you who were enemies in your mind and alienated by your wicked works. Okay, first of all, just say the word all of us. Okay, nobody has any bragging rights. We have all been alienated at one time. And the only thing, the only thing, the only reason, the only hope is that Jesus sought us out. He did all of this. He made all this available. He said, you are my enemies. Now, this is an interesting word for us because most of us have this basic idea that I'm pretty much a pretty good person. You know, I'm generally a pretty good person, right? I mean, we're all pretty good people. And when we make statements like that, we immediately think things like, you know, I'm not beating my wife or anything. I don't even have a wife. <laughs> I'm not dealing drugs at the moment. I stopped for a couple of weeks because I'm on vacation. But we, we come up with a certain standard. We set this standard, and then we say, well, I'm at least above that. Right? But I want you to understand something, and I'm going I'm to bring this out, that God is the one who's actually set the standard. And he's the only one that's worthy to be able to do that. And so when we begin to look at, at, at our philosophies or our religion or the way that we're viewing life, we're going to find the fact is we're making up our own rules. And God has a, has, a, he has a way of seeing that, and he simply says this. Now, he says, you have to understand that aside from Jesus, all of us are alienated, and we are enemies to God. Not because of him, not because he made us enemies, but because we make ourselves enemies by our own mind and wicked works. I was talking with a young man he was 16 years old, really sweet guy, honestly, sweet kid. Uh, went to school here in Junction City. This was a couple of years back. And, and we were talking, and, and uh, I don't even remember how I ran into him, but we ended up talking, and, and, uh, and after a little while, we, we started talking about the idea of truth. 
and the idea of standards and morality. And, and this young man was asking some really good questions. And, and as we continued to talk, then at one point I said, okay, well, you would agree that it's just wildly inappropriate. It's never going to be an okay thing for an adult man to sleep with a child. And I'm talking carnal, you know, not like take a nap. I'm talking as it should not be. And the young man said, well, tr in, in truth, who's to determine that? This is what this young man said to me. In truth, who is to determine that? He's asking a phenomenal question because this young man has adhered to the philosophy of this world, which is that every man can determine his own truth, that truth is relative, and so therefore, I can believe what I want to believe, and you can believe what you want to believe. Now, most of us, I think, in this room wouldn't try to defend that position. We just simply look at that, and our own conscience says, that's disgusting. How dare you? And you're certainly not going to babysit my kids. And, and he, wasn't, he wasn't suggesting that he wanted to sleep with children. Don't, don't misunderstand me here. What he was doing was he was being absolutely honest that the philosophy with which he has been taught and has grown up with, that each person is free to determine their own morality and their own understanding of what is right or wrong and make that decision based solely on their own subjective ideas, leaves it open that who then has the right to decide where the ultimate line is. Are you guys with me? And I was floored because I'm sitting here looking at this young man. I'm thinking, you're a sweet young kid. But you know what? He was just absolutely honest. He's just absolutely honest to say, with, with what I've been taught and what I've understood, what I understand in my mind, the way that I see this, and, the way, and for those of that have, have taught me and given me the, the, uh, the understanding and ideas of this age, which is that, we, that, that truth is not absolute, there's no such thing as a standard, then who then shall we go to for what is actually righteous and what is actually unrighteous? Or let me go a step further, what is right and what's wrong? And I defy you to defend, his or to, to defend your own position if you're not actually going to submit to the idea that there is right or wrong, then, then in your own mind begin to go, well, then how would I defend that child? Because unless there is an objective source of truth, you have no defense. It will all be situational, and you cannot find anyone to defend that child. You could say, well, the majority of people don't agree with that. Well, what if the majority of people change their mind? Well, they won't. How do you know? The majority of people right now, or not majority, but many, many people right now and nations all over are deciding that Israel should just, what, cease to exist? I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. If we're talking about a popularity contest, well, there's a lot of trouble in the Middle East, so it's probably Israel's fault. Who's to decide? If everything's situational, where do we go? Jesus comes and says, I have an answer for all of these, all of these things, and that's why I'm excited. I have to tell you, I want to share a frustration with you. I hope that I haven't had this conversation with you lately, because then it's going to become obvious that I was frustrated when we had it, <laughs> even though I didn't act frustrated at the time. Someone will come to me and they'll say, well, I just talked about the Middle East. Man, we really need peace in the Middle East. And I agree. Yes, we do. And they'll say, it's just crazy right now with ISIS and all these different things. And 
what are we going to do? I mean, this is just not a safe place, and things have really gone really poorly lately. And, and, and I'll say, that's true. And then they'll say, I don't even know what to do. And I'll say, one thing I know. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. And I'm like, man, that's good. And they're like, well, yes, but. And I'm like, what do you mean, yes, but? You know, or, or I, I, maybe a little further. It was like, yeah, well, yeah. And I'm like, what are you, what is all this? That really is the answer. And, and I began to realize here's the problem. Here's the problem. We need to unpack that a little bit. Because it is true that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. It, it really is true. But I think sometimes we sort of, it, that kind of gets mixed in with the like sweet by and by kind of answer. You know, like, well, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven. They're like, yes, may it come quickly. May he come for us. And, and I think we sort of skip over the very practical and beautiful application of what God actually has to offer through his son, Jesus Christ. And where each of us are in relationship to him. And so when we, when we misunderstand what we mean when we say the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually the answer for every single need of every single man, woman, and child, then it starts to get maybe a little more interesting. Because I think oftentimes when I say the gospel is the answer, people are like, yes, you know, swing low, sweet chariot. You, you know, you got to realize something. We're on God's team with this thing, and let me tell you what God wants. God wants everyone to be reconciled back to him through Christ Jesus. He doesn't want us, the, the word actually says, hey, if it seems like it's taking a long time for God to show up, don't think it's because he doesn't care, but understand it's actually in his kindness and patience that he's waiting so that as many as is possible will take an opportunity to choose him. Because let me tell you something, if he came right now, right now, his heart would be broken because billions of people have not yet made a decision to respond to the goodness of Jesus Christ and the Father's heart. He, it wouldn't be exciting for him. He wouldn't show up and be like, I mean, he'd be excited, but guys, we're already okay. I mean, he'd be glad that we could be with him. But the thing of it is, it would come at the cost of all of those who have not yet made a decision to choose him. He's not choosing to reject anyone. You guys with me? C.S. Lewis puts it beautifully well. He says, in that day when there is judgment, when he does actually come, it won't be a judgment in the sense of, I reject you. There will be two things that will happen. In that day, either we will say to God, thy will be done, which is that we'd be reconciled with him and have eternal life and receive the beauty of his heart for us, which is just so awesome. Or he will say to us, thy will be done. And we will depart from him, never to be with him again, because we never wanted him in the first place. And, it will, and he will not do it with joy. How many of you to your child, if your child wanted to reject you, would say, thy will be done yet? No, you'd be like, come on, really? I've shown my love to you. And here in this word, it says this, that Jesus Christ is the picture of the Father's heart. Jesus Christ, Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. And not only that, but to reconcile all things. You guys interested yet? Are you having fun? You're really quiet. Do you like where I'm going? Or are you wondering where I'm going? I kind of need to know. Now, here's, here's what I want to point out to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to have to go ahead and do a part two next week. So what we're going to do is we're going to just start with probably the first point here, and then I'll be able to finish next week. But I'm going to show you in Scripture that the reality of it is all of us need to be reconciled. And when we come, we need to be reconciled to God through Christ, and then we must be reconciled through Christ to, to three other areas. All right? So let's just start right here. The first point is what we just saw is it says all things are reconciled in God. And I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures here. But the truth is we all need reconciliation. Amen? Amen? All right. The next point is we're either going to need it relationally or materially. How many of you enjoy it when you are reconciled with your, the fruits of your labor by, by form of a paycheck? Come on, that is a good day, right? You're like, yes, reconcile me with that time that I used. And you get that. You need that, right? How many of you have been poor? Yes. You know how that feels, right? It's like, I would like to buy a thing, but I can't. I am estranged from my material needs. And I would like to be reconciled with them. All right? How many of you know when God made the earth, he made it abundantly for the blessing and the goodness of mankind. All right? He, he made the earth and he said, it's good. But then he made mankind. He said, it's very good. And then he told them, listen, I've given, I've given you everything for your food and for your blessing. I want you to cultivate this. Okay? So he didn't show up and say, let me tell you something. There's only a little bit. And you just need to fight over it. And if you get it, Eve doesn't. But if Eve gets it, you don't. Go. No. No, he said, all these things I've made for you. So he gave us an abundant life, and he filled the earth. And then he said this, you need to cultivate it. You need to care for it. You need to take care of these things so that it will produce all the things that you need. And that, and that thing's changed, okay? That's his heart for us. You guys understand that when sin enters the picture, we don't relate right anymore, do we? So we need to be reconciled through Christ relationally or materially. And I'm going I'm to unpack that a little bit more as we go. And so therefore, every single one of us experiences poverty either relationally or materially or sometimes both. You guys with me? So when I'm broken in relationship with you, there's a poverty that happens because you know what? God created me to be in relationship with other people. You guys remember Adam and Eve are in the garden and Adam said, or God says to Adam, and this is amazing because God's with Adam when he says this and he says, it is not a good idea for you to be alone. I have to at least say one thing, okay? No, hang on. Wisdom, is that you? I think anytime I have to ask, probably that's wisdom speaking. I'm going to move on. Okay, so he says, it is not good that you should be alone. And so he says, I'm going to make you a helpmate, which means she's a perfect, she fits perfectly. In all the places where Adam has deficits, she has assets together. And we know in the Bible it says that God made man in his image, male and female. So we know that God's personality is represented in the male and female, not just the man. The man and the woman represent the, the character, the, rep, the, the, the personality of God. So you don't have this sort of like, well, Adam's where it's at. And then there's that lady girl, where'd she go? No, this is, this is Adam and Eve represent the character and who God is. And then he says, okay, that's very good, very good. And he gives them a job. 
what happens when sin shows up? You all of a sudden find yourself alone, don't you? You find yourself alone. Alone is poverty. Now, I'm not saying if you're unmarried, you're in poverty. I'm saying if you don't have people, if you don't have brothers and sisters, if you're not in a family of God, if you're not in relationships, you have poverty. You have relational poverty. You are alone. And God doesn't want you to be alone. You know, we just don't thrive alone. I believe it takes three weeks, I think, when, uh, of being like completely, you know, in isolation when they put you in the hole. And you, you just start going nuts. You just start going nuts. It might even be sooner than that. Actually, I'll have to check my own math. It's fast. It doesn't take long. When you're completely alone, you go cuckoo because you were not created to be alone. You have to interact with other people. How many of you have been around people that spend too much time alone? Yeah, for reals. You're like, go reconcile with somebody else. You were crazy. <laughs> All right. That might not have been kingdom. All right, so we need to reconcile with God. <laughs> Scratch that last one. Take it off the tape. <laughs> We need to reconcile with ourselves. How many of you have been with somebody who has been beat down? They've been beat down. Maybe their daddy always told them, you aren't going to amount to nothing. You ain't going to amount to nothing. You ain't going to amount to nothing. And you know what? Now they believe it. I ain't going to amount to nothing. And you hang out with them, and you'll, and you, oh my goodness. I, here's the thing that blows my mind. I have six gorgeous sisters. And so just, I just do. And I'm always shocked and amazed when I'll meet, because now I have, you know, hundreds of gorgeous sisters in the, in the body of Christ, and I'll meet a beautiful sister. I can't use my wife as an example because she's not broken, so flow with me here. So I'll meet a beautiful sister, and, and they're funny, and they're gorgeous, and they're motivated, and they're talented, and I'll be talking with them, and they'll say something, and I'll start to pick up, like, wait. It makes me think of the song. What is it? You don't know how beautiful you are. Anyway, I'm just like, what is happening here? Because I will realize that this beautiful, vibrant, powerful woman, this daughter of God, thinks that they're ugly and that they're stupid. And it's just the weirdest thing. And this isn't gender specific. I mean, this happens with guys too. Just the, the guy that thinks I'm going to amount to nothing. And he keeps getting fired all the time. You're like, what is wrong with this dude? And it's because, honestly, he's like, my daddy told me I wasn't going to amount to nothing. And he just keeps living it out over and over again, over and over and over again. And what is it? He needs to be reconciled with himself. She needs to be reconciled with herself. She believes something about herself that is absolutely not true. And in Christ is the only way that she can be reconciled with herself. You see, there's a poverty that's happening. When she looks in the mirror, all that she can see is maybe that awkward, maybe she went through ugly duckling stage. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. But she still sees herself that way. And that man, when he looks in the mirror, all he sees is, you ain't going to amount to nothing. And he needs to be reconciled with himself. And each of us, we have to understand, I'm in poverty with God because I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I, I'm in poverty with God because sin has entered into this life. And I, my mind doesn't work right. In fact, for me, I'm actually mad at God most of the time. I think that he's this mean, judgy character, far, far away. I've believed all the press about him from his enemies, and he scares me. So in my mind, I'm actually distant from him, even though he sent Jesus Christ, who demonstrated the ultimate love, which we're going to get into. That's kind of fun. The other person I need to be reconciled with is others. 
I, I'm going to continue forward because I need to wrap this up for today. But, and then lastly, I need to be reconciled with creation. Here's the point. Every single person on the face of the earth is in some form of poverty. Our tendency is to equate poverty with material needs, correct? That's our tendency. We think, like when you hear the word poverty in the West, you immediately are going to think of they need money, they need a house, they need a job. But there are different kinds of poverty. That is one of them. That's material poverty. But relational poverty usually is the problem that's in front of that material poverty. Because as you begin to put these things, as, you, as we let Christ reconcile us back to the Father, to ourself, to others, then we are actually able to release power to bring reconciliation in these other areas. And so when I say things like, one thing I know, the gospel is the answer to it all. It's because the gospel is the answer to it all. It's the only answer. And you see, I cannot be transformed by the renewing of my mind by any other thing except for Christ Jesus himself. I'm going to read one more scripture to you, and we're going to pick this up when we come back. The, the word says this, Romans 3, 10 through 31. As the scriptures say, there is no one who's righteous, no one who is wise, or who worships God. All have turned away from God. They've all gone wrong. No one does what's right. Not even one. Their words are full of deadly deceit. Wicked lies roll off their tongues and dangerous threats like snakes poison from their lips. Their speech is filled with bitter curses and they're quick to hurt and kill. They leave ruin and destruction wherever they go. They have not known the path of peace nor have they learnt reverence for God. The, the thing we have to understand, look, look this is a, an interesting place where we live. We live in America. We live in the land of the free, okay? We are so used to determining our own terms on almost everything that we get offended by the word of God. And I, and I want you to understand something. It's vital that we're constantly reading the word because it sharpens us and brings us back to the actual author of life. But I, I want to just unpack this for just a minute, okay? First of all, no one is righteous. I want you to just say that. No one is righteous. Okay, this is huge for us because if we think that we're righteous based on what we're doing right, we're missing the whole point. Now, we're still going to do the right things, but we're doing them for a different reason. You see, we're not doing the right things so we can justify ourselves so that God will let us into heaven. We're doing the right things because God's love has reached us and we accept what Christ did, and therefore, therefore it's a natural outflow to do the right thing and fulfill that. Do you understand? It's vastly different. You see, if I'm trying to do the right thing so that I can earn my right into heaven, I've already fallen so short I can never get there. And I want to unpack this. So first of all, we're not righteous. No one is wise or worships God. I don't choose these things naturally. I can't continue to come back to that place. If I want to use my own good works as the basis for how I'm going to get into heaven, and, and, and hear this, if I want to use my own good works as the basis to try to get you to reconcile with God, we are both in trouble. You see, when we answer that question that the gospel is the answer to every issue, it's important that we make sure we're actually preaching the gospel. If I feel the pressure, okay, um, this is going to be my final point here, so I'm going to see if I can wrap this up and put a period on it because I want you to think about this. If I believe that my good works 
and my perfect obedience is to be the example for why another person needs to reconcile with God. Number one, that's too much pressure for me. Number two, it's impossible. Your life is a lousy standard for other people that need to get saved. And mine is two. I mean, I'm saying you, I mean us, one, us, we. You see, Jesus' life is the standard of why we must all receive his goodness. Are you with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the scripture. I bet Paul probably could say it better than me. Come on, that was kind of funny. That was supposed to be like, <laughs> you think? Okay, now, we, we know that everything in the law applies to those who live under the law in order to stop all human excuses and bring the whole world under God's judgment. The law is pointing out that there is actually a standard. Now, the law can't save you, but it can point out the fact that there is a standard that we're to live by. And so, therefore, everyone on the earth realizes I've fallen short of that standard. Maybe you are a really righteous person. There are rude people in this room, I guarantee you, that are much more righteous than me. I guarantee you, you got better self-control. You, you've done way, way less when you were a kid. You've, you've, you're just better than me. You just are. But I'm not standing by my good works. I'm standing by the grace that I found in Christ. And so are you. Because even if you are one who is way better naturally at all these other things that I'm horrible at, it's still not enough to be able to earn the approval of God because the approval of God is not for sale by your good works. The approval of God comes because of who he is. And it's only brought to us because of Jesus Christ's blood. Is this making sense? I know this is basic, but I'm telling you, things get kind of, they get kind of morphed and weird in our heads sometimes. And we forget why, where we, we forget how we stand and it affects, number one, how we would preach the good news of the gospel and number two, if we even would. How many of you wanted to bring somebody to church but then you're kind of like, they're probably going to be weird that day and it always happens, by the way. You bring them in and it's like, is this even the church I normally attend? Are you kidding me right now? Um, but here's the thing. Having a great day on Sunday isn't the point. The point is Jesus Christ came and gave his only son, not so that he could judge the world, but so that he could save the world. That's why this is good news. Let's continue. No one is put right in God's sight by doing what the law requires. What the law does is to make people know that they've sinned. But now God's way of putting people right with himself has been revealed. It has nothing to do with the law, even though the law of Moses and the prophets gave their witness to it. In other words, it spoke to what is actually sin, these things. God puts people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. God does this to all who believe in Christ because there is no difference at all. Everyone has sinned and is far away from God's saving presence. Everyone, every single one of us, we've all missed the mark. Let's just say, well, I don't believe in God, so I don't care what the mark is, you know? Okay, God actually says, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you according to, like, if you, let's just say you say, my will be done your whole life, and then you stand before the Lord. Did you know that he'll just, he won't judge you according to, he won't even have to judge you according to his own law? He'll just judge you according to yours. You don't even keep your own law. Fine, you have your own standards. How come you keep missing them? You made up your own laws. You can't even live by your own laws. 
I mean, be honest right now. Just go, you're not kidding. Oh, you're totally, that's totally true. You set up a way that you were going to live, and you can't even make, you can't even live your own way. We all sin and fall short of even our own rules. Well, I'm only human. That's the point. You're only human. You need a Savior, and you can't be it. But God, in his goodness, loves you. He made you. You're his baby. He has no desire that anyone should perish. And so in Christ, he came and took the punishment and and brought actual justice. Because what if God just said, well, you know, you're just human. It's fine. I get it. Everybody sins. Well, then he's not a good God. Because if we're allowed to go out and be this 16-year-old guy, maybe we sleep with the baby. And what? God just goes, oh, it's fine. I'm love. Don't worry about it. It's all good. No, it's not all good. So how can justice be restored? How can, now God, so God sends Christ Jesus. And Jesus takes the punishment that we all deserve. He takes it himself. Because he wants us. But also because he must satisfy his own standard of justice. And none of us could do it. If it was up to us, no one makes it. Do you understand? So this is the beauty of his love. Is he goes, I can't lower the standard. But I also, I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to live eternity without you. So anyone that will, if you'll just believe that I'm as good as I say that I am. If you'll believe in Jesus Christ. If you'll believe that I'm this good. If you'll, if you'll, if you'll admit that you've fallen short, not only of my standard, but even your own standard. My standard's way higher than yours. But if you'll surrender to this love, all you have to do is believe in me. Can we get to this one here? Romans 10. We're going to end with this. But what the scripture says about being right with God through faith is this. You're not to ask yourself who will go up into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. In other words, you're not the judge of who gets to go to heaven. I think that's self-evident. Nor are we to ask who will go down into the world below. That is to bring Christ up from death. You're not going to decide who gets to go to hell either. But what it says is this. God's message is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the message of faith that we preach. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by our faith that we are put right with God. It is by our confession that we are saved. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And this includes everyone, because there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. God is the same Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. As the scripture says, everyone who calls out to the Lord for help will be saved. The answer is, to all of our lives, to every bit of poverty in our lives. And I'm gonna unpack that poverty because I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about the poverty today that we're talking about. I just said talking about it a few times. Anyway, is that we need to be reconciled to God himself. Nothing works until that part happens. We're our own worst enemy. Even on a good day, our self-righteousness keeps us from being able to be effective. But this God, this God, he's near us right now. Let's stand.
God's message is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the message of faith that we preach. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God has raised him from death, you will be saved. I want us to just pray together. And, um, and, and if you're here and you're just thinking, man, I'm not ready to pray that yet, well, don't, don't pray it. You might accidentally get, get loved anyway. He's sneaky like that. He really likes you. But if you are hearing this and the Spirit of God right now is speaking to you, this is as good as it sounds. This sounds too good to be true, and it's actually true. If you're at the end of trying to work it out on your own, you're trying to make things happen on your own, and you know what? You're realizing, you know what? I have fallen short. I really am actually a sinner. I really do fall short all the time. I don't know the ways of peace. Some of you might say, I'm actually a pretty good person. Even today, this sermon, you're like, I'm not, I don't even know what he's talking about with this sin program. You don't practice the ways of peace. You have turmoil every day. You're not at peace with your mother. You're not at peace with your father. You're not at peace with your brothers and sisters or your boss. You live in turmoil. You've fallen short of the glory of God in practicing the ways of peace. So therefore, you are a sinner. But here's the beauty. God didn't come to judge you. He came to save us. And all that that requires is that we begin with surrender to him. And I'll tell you what, he is a very, he is the only safe individual in the whole world. And he's even outside the world, the whole universe. So I want you to just pray with me. And I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to pray slow. And I want you to think about it. And if you're like, I could say that, well, then say it. Father, I believe you exist. I think you might be good. If this is true, I believe it. Father, I've heard of your son, Jesus, that he came in the flesh that he died on a cross. Not only for my sins, but all sin and my sins. And I confess, I have fallen short. Please forgive me. I believe So come into my life. I will make you my Lord. Teach me the ways of peace. Give me your spirit that you would be God in my life. I will follow you. And I surrender. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I'd love it if you came back. I'm going to be at that back table back here. And I'm going to be, if you're here for the first time, by the way, I want to give you a book and shake your hand and say welcome. 
And if you pray that, and this is your beginning, this is your first introduction with the King of Kings, I'd like to know about it. I'd love to give you a Bible. I've got a Bible for you, and I'd just love to know about it. I want you to know something. Jesus is the only solution for everyone. And everyone around you is in some form of poverty. And they're waiting to hear the good news of the gospel. And you're carrying that. You don't have to do it like I do it. You need to do it like you do it. But when you talk about this Jesus, when you share as the Holy Spirit gives you unction to share, they will encounter Jesus. And how will they hear unless you speak? Prayer servant team is going to come forward if you need prayer for healing in your body or encouragement. That thing about fear today, I just feel like there's something there. If you've been struggling with fear, come and get prayer. God is releasing people from fear. Otherwise, be blessed. I love you. I am so sorry. If you are able to, I would love to have lunch with you at the Newcomer's Lunch. So if you're here, if it's even your first Sunday, come on back. We'd love to give you lunch and uh, get an opportunity to just share a little bit about the vision for this, for this house.